16 hours on a plane. <laughs> With five kids and a dog. We did have two ladies who were helping us, Kristen and Adina. Wonderful who were savior angels. And helped us, but still <laughs> came, landed in Malawi. I'm not sure what we looked like when we walked out of that <laughs> airport in Blantyre. I know I had scratches on my face from the oh, two year old. He screamed most of the flight Probably over the Atlantic. A good three quarters of it, yeah. Yeah. It didn't go real well for him or you. We also had a dog with us. She did better than any of the children. Yes, she did. And um, and she was quite the sight once we landed in Africa <laughs> with her poodle hair all done up. Her bow in her hair. Yeah, the customs agents were quite entertained they, and I'm sure are still talking about Every us. Malawian, as we were descending those stairs off the plane, was cracking up. Yeah. <laughs> so this is our update episode. It's been since May since we've had a episode of the podcast. Has it been that long? Yes. So we wow. have done a lot and mostly we have moved to the other side of the world. Finally. Mostly. Last time we were talking about it, and now we've actually done it and survived, so we want to tell you about that. This is episode five. Welcome to Gospel Life, the podcast of Gospel Life Global Missions. I'm Stacy Lee Hutchins. And I'm Josh Hutchins, and this is the Gospel Life podcast from Gospel Life Global Missions. And like we were saying, we have moved to the country of Malawi in Southern Africa. We've had shows in the past that we're talking a lot about Malawi, but now we actually are sitting in that country right now. In our kitchen. What's that feel like? Um, it. It still some days just feels so surreal and some days it feels so normal. Um, it's just, it's incredible. It really yeah. is. Sometimes I'm driving down the road and of course there are people walking everywhere, uh, bicycles everywhere. I mean, it's very different from driving in the U S and I just catch myself like just assuming this is normal now. Yeah. It's not it's not weird. Weird or strange or mm -hmm. novel. It's just day-to-day -day life by now. We've been here how long now? Three, Three months? Three months. Three months since uh, we landed uh, in that haze of exhaustion and sleeplessness yeah. <laughs> and came to a house that didn't have electricity. And or interior doors. Or interior doors or um, anything that was soft in it, except for the mattresses we slept on. So uh -huh. it was like no a curtains, nothing. hall of echoes once mm -hmm. the five kids uh, came in. And, uh, and now we are settled and it feels like home. I mean, not completely settled. I and mean, We're slowly feathering the nest. Settling into your home is, is kind of a lifetime thing. But, yeah. Uh, but... We, we have doors now. That we helped. We have doors. That's right. <laughs> that was super fun to go through jet lag with five kids and no doors. Jude and Abe woke each other up every night until yeah. <laughs> we got them. <laughs> it was freezing when it we got here in so July. It was so cold. 
It was winter time, of course, here, but usually winter isn't that terrible, I don't think. No, and I know, I know from experience, because your sister moved to Florida, and then she talked about how cold it was in Florida when it was like 60 degrees, and all of us in Kentucky rolled our eyes at her, and we're like, come on. But seriously, when you don't have heat in your house, and it's 65 degrees for and a you high... Don't have- we don't have air conditioning either. And so our windows don't even like seal no, like yeah. your, your windows in the U.S. When it's like in the 40s at night and 65 for a high, that is cold. If, and we have complete tile floor. If that, and so it's like ice. Yes, yes. If those are the temperatures in Kentucky, you'll, you've got your heat on, you know, yeah. just admit it. And now we're in the hottest time of the year and it's still cold. It's a very unusual year here. Yeah. And maybe you can hear a little bit in the background, the rain hitting our metal roof. Um, rainy season isn't supposed to start till next month, but we've already are starting to get a few rains. Mm-hmm. And it's been, I mean, we've had plenty of really hot days, but we've also had several chilly days, which has been really nice. So Josh, tell us what you've been up to since we got here. Um, I have been since August, uh, studying the language Chichewa. We have a tutor that comes twice a week. He comes for a couple of hours twice a week to work with me. And then he works with you guys one hour twice a week. And, uh, and so we're studying very hard, trying to go through Chichewa as quickly as I can uh, and he has really let me have it uh, is he? right now. Yeah, I mean, we are making a lot of progress. And I, my fault, and this is partly because I've just finished my PhD and I feel <laughs> like I'm done with studying ever again. My fault is that I don't put in enough time when he's not here. So he, you know, comes and I... I'm not quite caught up to where I'm supposed to be, but uh, learning a lot of a lot of vocab right now, and uh, and got the greetings down at least. That's kind of yeah. coming very easily, um, but uh, but kind of in that fuzzy phase of learning a language where you know the very very basics, but you still can't put a real sentence together. Mm-hmm. But um, I did catch myself at church today. Uh, hearing a lot more and catching on up on a lot more in the songs and different things that people were saying, you know, a few words here or there so that I could kind of better keep up what was uh, going on around us. Yeah. I walking uh, to take Abe to preschool. I can, I can greet people really good. They'll be like, and I'll be like, which is like, good morning. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Um, and then they'll try to say something else to me. And I'm like, nope, nope. sorry. That's all I got. <laughs> that's where it is. <laughs> um, but, uh, but we're getting there. And um, it's just a lot of hard work. Any language um, is just a lot of hard work. There's no easy way to learn a language. Mm-mm. There just isn't. I don't care what software or whatever you use. It's just to really know it. To speak it um, is just hard work. Yeah, a lot of studying and a lot of 
being around native speakers. Yeah, which is another difficulty here because so many people speak English. Yeah, that it it can be difficult to get to use your Chichewa because out day to day when you're just kind of buying things in the marketplace or something, people are going to speak to you in English. Yep. Uh, so I've found that um, kids are really the best people for me to practice with right now. Yeah, little kids because they they start learning it in elementary learning English in elementary school. Yeah, but they don't really know it well yet. And of course, they're very forgiving and they just laugh at you the whole time, no matter what. So it doesn't yeah. make you feel as embarrassed. So when I was in the uh, lower Shiri. That's the southernmost part of Malawi a few weeks ago. In the afternoons, I would go out after the kids were coming home from school and I would try to talk to some of the <laughs> kids and they would just laugh and point and things like that. <laughs> um, the, the other thing I've been up to is we have done a little bit of the pastor trainings that we came here to do. We had uh, one set of modulars at the beginning of October. And now we're having a second set right before the rains come. And, and the way we do it is we have a week here in Zomba where we live. And then we have another week, the same week, same material for another group of pastors in the lower Shiri, which is about two and a half hours drive from here. And, um, and we have about 80 pastors in both places. And so we've already been doing those modulars and getting ready to really launch uh, our program in February. So right now it's kind of just getting them ready to learn how to uh, how to come to school, how to how to learn uh, so that whenever we start an actual systematic program where we go through a curriculum in February, they're prepared and they're ready for it. I wish they've been doing this for a few years now. Yeah. And that's, but it's been kind of scattershot. That's in the... right. That's right. And it's still somewhat that way. Uh, but we're getting there and in February we'll start our curriculum, uh, program that's going to go through, uh, through the Bible, Bible survey courses, uh, theology courses, practical courses so that they really get a well-rounded, um, education. So tell us a little bit about the one that is starting this week, because I think it sounds really fascinating. Yeah, the the course that we're having starting this week is on African traditional religions. So one of the great dangers, one of the great threats to the church here is like like anywhere in the world and anywhere throughout history is syncretism. And if you're not familiar with that kind of technical word, all it means is the mixing of religions. So um, someone hears the gospel and they believe that Jesus died for their sins. They trust in the message of the gospel, but they're coming with a background. Mm -hmm. They're coming with a culture that is mostly not based in the gospel. Um, 
whether that's American culture or, or some sort of African culture like Malawian culture or even in Asia or wherever, they're coming with a set of assumptions, values, uh, traditions, practices that are based in, um, in their past religion. And so it's very natural for them not to see necessarily a conflict between things that they believed before they heard about Jesus and mm-hmm. the things that they believe now based on the Bible. And so this course is meant to help them start to discern what um, maybe some of the things they're assuming are okay, some of the practices maybe they're still engaged in, uh, start to see, okay, those are based on our old worldview they're not based on a biblical worldview. And so we have um, a, a uh, veteran pastor uh, from Malawi coming in and giving his testimony of how he has kind of uh, kind of gone through that path of discipleship himself and begin his ministry, assuming a lot of things were okay. Uh, and then as he grew in the faith, hmm. grew in his understanding of the Bible, he kind of, his eyes were open to a lot of the practices and things that he was still holding on to. So he's kind of giving that uh, personal testimony side of thing. We have uh, one of our uh, Malawian staff members, Isaac, who's giving the bulk of the teaching on the, um, on African traditional religions and kind of helping them see uh, how how the assumptions there, how it's set up, how um, that worldview works. And then we have our partner, Eric Chapman, who's talking about the Holy Spirit, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, which kind of goes hand in hand with mm-hmm. a lot of the problems we see in our churches with syncretism is taking a lot of what they assumed from African traditional religion and you know just applying it especially to things that have to do with the Holy Spirit. Um, and then I'll be doing some of the preaching and introductions and, and closing out the week um, talking about uh, Manasseh, the king from the Old Testament, who uh, just kind of was prolific in his idolatry mm. and then was captured by the king of Babylon. And while he was in captivity, repented and turned to the Lord. So hmm. hoping to kind of give that that hope there at the uh, end of the week that, yes, maybe you've seen some places where you're still practicing idolatry in your life, but but there's forgiveness, there's yeah. grace if you would repent and turn to the Lord. I love that with the two Malawians who are doing the bulk of this teaching. One thing that I've always respected about the way Eric and Stephanie have run things here and I know is important to us as we, you know, kind of take over what's going on here is that it's very much a partnership yeah. with Malawians. It's not the white guys coming in and being like, Hey, you're doing it wrong. Let's do it for right. you. Right. And, and we don't have the authority to speak on African traditional religions because it's just, um, we're outsiders to yeah. it. And we can study and study and study, but we'll never be insiders. So we'll never have the credibility mm-hmm. that um, someone who's 
come from this culture will have on this topic in particular. Or even just the the knowledge of it. I mean, it's a very new topic for us to even learn about. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, And it just, there's so many things that... Um, these pastors, most of them are new believers themselves uh, because these are new churches. They're, so these are new believers, even as the pastors. And there's so many things they just come assuming is okay. Hmm. Uh, at our last uh, teaching, which was really a survey of the Bible, uh, we got some questions that were really kind of surprising. And, and one that uh, really stuck with me was this, uh, uh, we had some guest teachers. They were talking about qualifications for a pastor, I believe from first Timothy or Titus one. And, um, and one of the pastors asked if, if, if my wife is not a good pastor's wife, whatever that means, that's <laughs> like, uh, she doesn't play the piano or what, you know, but the question was, if my wife is not a good pastor's wife, should I divorce her and marry another woman or should I just marry a second wife? Both perfectly good options. Yeah. Yeah. Those were (laughs) like, okay, maybe there's another option (laughs) out there instead of divorce or polygamy instead. Um, but it, you know, the way that question was phrased just shows you the assumptions they're coming with oh, from yeah. the culture that, yeah. they, that they're from. Um, and so that just gives you a window into, okay, there's probably thousands of things like this, mm-hmm. uh, thousands of different instances where they're just coming with a way of thinking based on their culture that is against the Bible. And it's not picking on these guys. We do it too. Oh, yeah. Um, all the time, we come with our American way of thinking that is opposed to the gospel. Mm-hmm. And through discipleship, we have to, you know, take off the old and put on the new. So um, it's just we come from different backgrounds. So it's different issues that we're dealing with. Are there any other questions that were asked that have really stood out to you? Well, we always get a lot of biblical curiosities, like who was Cain's wife and, and that mm-hmm. thing. But one question that comes up time and time again is, um, what was the original sin? And the assumption is, okay, the original sin couldn't have really been just eating a piece of fruit. Like, why would that be? That's not bad enough. That's not bad enough. And there's a teaching that seems to be prevalent. At least we get the question over and over again, is that eating the fruit is symbolic in some way for Eve to have relations with the serpent. So that's just something that someone has said out there uh, that has just been recycled over and over and over again and has been heard and heard and heard. And and we have to say, no, actually look at the text of yeah. the Bible and see what it actually says. And this is why eating a piece of fruit is so bad. It's rebellion against God who has done everything for, for Adam and Eve. And uh, blessed them completely. So that's just disobeying God is bad enough. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be something worse than that. Yeah. Well, that's uh, enough about me. What's, uh, what have you been up to? Nothing. 
Absolutely nothing. I just sit around and, you know, read, read books, twiddle my thumbs. We have been reading a lot more books. We have been. And that's partly because we have a little bit more limit on our internet. Significantly more limit on our internet. Yeah. Like, like we actually have to think about how much of the internet we're using. Yeah. Um, and, I think and we have long evenings too. Long evenings. Because yeah. the, the day, since we're closer to the equator, uh-huh. the we day used is to, more stable. The sun goes down around six, pretty almost all year. It varies by about 30 minutes. Um, Comes up though at like 4.45, <laughs> which is ridiculous. Um, But yeah, we've been in, in America. We would watch, you know, a show or a little bit of a movie or something every night after we got the kids in bed. And and here, because our internet's so limited, we haven't been able to do that. So we've been reading until we fall asleep at like eight fifteen, <laughs> <laughs> when it's already been dark for two hours and we feel like it's midnight. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I think I think having Joanna has really freed me up. For Who's some Joanna? extra reading, too. I don't think you've told our listeners. Joanna is one of my new favorite humans on the planet <laughs> because she is um, a woman who comes five days a week and cleans my house for me. <laughs> and I love her. <laughs> um, she's She's really been great. She's really been a huge help, and it's freed me up to homeschool the kids, which is actually the main thing that I've been up to. Um. I think we weren't here for like three weeks before the kids started begging to start school because they were bored. So we did. And it took me like one day, I think, to realize that I couldn't do it all. (laughs) So we got Joanna. We have a we have a tutor named Priscilla who comes and helps with Haley, Taylor and JJ. And then I work with Jude on everything that he needs done. And we ship a buff to preschool. And he did not like preschool at first. For oh, like it the was The first horrible. two weeks, he just cried and cried and cried. Yeah, a, a week and a half into it, he was still crying every day. And he would come home and he would say, I cry for you. <laughs> I cried for you. It was pitiful. But then it's like at the two-week mark, something just changed a switch flipped and and he likes it now and he realized that he gets cookies <laughs> at preschool so you know yeah he has fun so um that's what we spend most of our time doing we're doing homeschool let's see i'm slowly trying to like i said earlier feather this nest we've gotten you know a few things up on the walls i'm i feel like i'm constantly buying things at the market mm-hmm. um we got a little bit of furniture, guys. I mean, so besides what we already had, which is like our table or island and our table and our beds. Um, which a team came in June and built. It, yeah. So shout out to you guys. And they painted our walls and uh, really helped us get ahead. So put we up had our mosquito, something here when we Yeah, moved. put up our um, nets on our windows. Screens. Screens. Those are That's called the screens. Word. <laughs> um. But other than that, we didn't have any furniture. And so I've been buying furniture. We finally have a couch and two chairs and a little table inside. And we just this week got porch furniture. Yes. I got a little two-seater and two chairs 
which is where we like to spend most of our time is out on the porch because the weather here is so mild and wonderful and you just don't want to be inside. Yeah, we spend more time there than anywhere. It's amazing. And the porch wasn't here when we got here. We got that added on about, what, two months after we got here? Yeah. And it's it's been a game changer. It really has. So. And you've kept me busy digging holes around the yard. Yes. And planting various tropical plants that we keep Googling to try to figure <laughs> out what they are and how they're supposed to be spaced. And Yeah. So I love plants and landscaping and gardening. When we lived in the parsonage at Mount Tabor, we did so much there and we just, we loved it. Um, we were always going to Lowe's and buying stuff and planting and just, just really enjoyed it. And so it's been a real joy to, to do, get to do that again here. And the plants here are so cheap. Most of the ones I've bought they're also so small. Well, some of them. Yeah. yeah I they're mean, they're a lot smaller than plants you buy at Home Depot or Lowe's. Well, but that one tree that we got is probably four feet tall. That's and it was the like, only big one we have. It was like $3.50. And if you changed the quacha into dollars, and the little ones were like 30 cents each, 30 or 40. Which makes you not feel as bad when they die out there. But as they some haven't of them been. have. No. Yeah, some of them have. Very few. Anyway, it's been really fun to kind of try to start turning our yard into a tropical jungle oasis, which is my general vision for the yard. I've planted um, an avocado tree, a bunch of green leafy things that we don't entirely <laughs> know what they are. Several hydrangeas, bougainvilleas, gardenias. Uh, what's the other G What one? we really want to know is why you hate canas. I don't hate canas. <laughs> I haven't found any. When we lived at Mount Tabor, I had beautiful canas. They were tall and red and the hummingbirds loved them. And everybody at church would come to church and look over at the parsonage every Sunday and just be in awe of those beautiful canas. And you made I don't me really dig believe them that. Up. I don't really believe that that happened. Yes, it did. Mount Tabor people, can you <laughs> testify whether you even remember that these canas existed? And you made me dig them up. And now we live in a tropical <laughs> oasis and canas are like the tropical flower and you won't let me have them. Which is why I didn't like them at Mount Tabor because they were so tropical looking and nothing else. Like it just didn't fit with the rest of our landscaping at all. I'm not against canas here, but I haven't seen them. I mean, I've seen them like driving down the road, but I haven't seen them at the nurseries. Mm hmm. <laughs> likely story anyway anyway i'm really excited about all of our plants and landscaping that we've done josh has got big blister scars on his hands from all the work he's been doing for me which means i should have earned some canas by now so if you think that we should have canas just leave a review on itunes and say <laughs> give the man his canas maybe the man should go to the nursery himself and ask for them because i haven't seen them i'll go to the nursery and which is run by a rastafarian <laughs> friend steve the rastafarian <laughs> 
and he's always, ask him about the canas. He's always so quiet <laughs> and soft spoken. He's very mellow. <laughs> He's very mellow. He knows a lot about his plants, though. I'm sure he does. I mean, anything I ask him about, he can tell me a lot about it, which yeah. is better than you get from some nurseries where they don't even know the name of the plant. <laughs> well, that was way... That was a fun tangent. Yes, yes. Glad <laughs> so, we could tell you guys about Steve the Rastafarian. He's a nice guy. He is nice. So, so, so what do we have... Coming up on the calendar. Um, the same thing as everybody else. Thanksgiving, Christmas. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. Our first holiday season here. Yeah. We'll see how that goes. So we've been talking to Eric and Stephanie. We're planning on getting together with them, of course. Kind of strange to have hot weather Christmas. Christmas in the summer. Really strange. Yeah. yeah. It's been hard. It, it like hit me. Just the other day, how close the holidays were getting, because normally the change in weather, I feel like, kind of triggers that. Yeah, the stores in Blantyre have their Christmas trees and lights and stuff out for sale, and it's just which so really surprised strange. me. I guess I didn't. Yeah, expect but there's no them. Halloween here, and there's no Thanksgiving, so they they just skip straight on to Christmas. That's true. I didn't think about that. Um, the kids asked if they celebrated Thanksgiving here. We were like, no, guys, it's strictly an American holiday. Yeah. Unless you're Canadian, they have Thanksgiving too, they but do. it's different. It's a, yeah, it's on a different day. I don't know why they do it because they don't have pilgrims. So, <laughs> anyways, Canadian friends, explain yourself stealing our holiday. I never really thought about Canadian Thanksgiving and yeah. why it's a thing. Um, we do have a team member joining us next year. Yay! Uh, in February, it looks like, Lord willing, we have Kiki Cunningham coming as our Director of Compassion Ministries, and she uh, is mainly going to head up our um, mobile medical clinics. Um, and so we have an interview with her that will be our next episode that I think everyone's really going to enjoy. Yeah, she was here a couple of weeks ago and just really jumped in with the medical clinics. And I feel like just re was really in her element and just just made for this place and yeah. this work. Yeah, and I think you'll hear that in her interview mm -hmm. in our next episode. Yeah. So until then, peace. <laughs>